0: I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories every Monday and Thursday of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Today, we have former boxing pro David Diaz with us. He was born in Chicago to immigrant parents from Guerrero, Mexico. He is a four time Chicago Golden Glove champion, three time national Golden Glove champion, and 1996 U.S. Olympian. From 2007 to 2008, he was the WBC lightweight champion and retired from pro boxing in 2011. He has been married to his beautiful wife, Tanya, since 2003, and they have three boys David, Elias, and Silas. He is an entrepreneur and has been in the real estate business for the last five years. He and his wife own their own real estate office named Main Event Real Estate Group in Chicago. He also runs a boxing program in the town of Cicero, Illinois. Welcome, welcome to the Courageous Podcast, David.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. It's it's an honor and a pleasure to be here.
0: Awesome. I'm super excited. So I wanted to share briefly that I literally just met you, but I've known your wife for for many, many, many years. And so she used to tell me awesome stories about your kids and about you and about your family. And so I feel blessed that you you were able to come on and join us today and just encourage people, regardless of what they're going through, that they can persevere and get through. And so take us back and tell us a little bit about your upbringing so that people can understand where you came from and what led you down that path to professional boxing.
1: To start off, my parents... We're immigrants uh, to this country. My dad worked in the cornfields in California as a farmer. He was in this program called the Braceros, and they were legally able to come to the U.S. and work through the farming industry. But Mm -hmm. what happened is that my dad ended up losing his card that proved that he was part of that program. When he lost it, he wasn't able to come back anymore to California to do work. So he ended up going to Chicago. And in Chicago, he felt like it was more of a job, easier job in the sense of not that much of a hard labor. Mm-hmm. But he also had my mother come and I, I was born in 76. Obviously, the Mexican family, were, we were very proud of our, our heritage, grew up with a God-fearing mother. For me, it was a, a normal life. My brothers used to make us fight with uh, other little kids in the neighborhood. And so my dad would see us that I was very anxious and always wanted to go to those fights because, you know, it was fun. My dad said, hey, let's take him to the boxing gym and see what, what he can do in, in the boxing ring. I ended up going there one day and uh, I told the coach, I was like, hey, I want to learn how to fight. And he's like, you do. And I was like, yeah. So he put me in the ring. And we started uh, working out and we did a great job at it that we continued to box.
0: I love that. That's that's so funny. The story about your brothers putting you to fight. And so what was it like going to the gym and training? Because I know at that age, obviously, you didn't realize that you were going to be a boxer. Whoever finds
1: their passion. And for me, that was my passion. I found my passion at a very young age. Some people find it in baseball, basketball, Mm -hmm. football. They find their passion and and they continue to go and and strive to become the best that they can. And for me, that's what it was. My first amateur fight, I lost. Mm -hmm. Maybe to some people would have been like, oh, well, you're not that good. No, for me, it was like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I lost. I was like, I got to work out harder. I got to do better because my next fight, I'm going to win. And when I beat that kid again, I'm going to beat him. You know,
0: exactly.
1: so it was one of those, those things that I had early on in my life, I was determined to win.
0: And so I know you said that, you know, you continued boxing, you started uh, fighting, you started winning all these medals, like you said, and from 10 to 15, you said, you know, that you had started winning. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: When you're from 10 to like 14, 15 years old, you can only go to state and regional tournaments. Mm-hmm. Once you turn 15, you can fight for the nationals. So during my 10 to 14, 15 years old, I was continuously fighting, but I was only fighting in the regional level because I couldn't advance to the nationals. That right. became popular because I was known as uh, the kid from Illinois, from Chicago that mm-hmm. came to fight and was not taking anybody lightly and he would always fight and be persistent about fighting. So fast forward to when I was 15 years old, the first time that I went to the nationals, I felt in awe of seeing all this talent, what these other guys were doing. They were just like having a good time, just there for the for the free food, for sometimes the money and stuff like that. And we were just hanging out and not taking our experience or what we were going through seriously. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie. I, I lost my first fight in the nationals to the guy who eventually won the whole tournament. Oh, wow. But- For me, it was a very close fight. I mean, it could have gone either way, but he beat me. And I stayed there for the whole week of the tournament because I couldn't leave. And I saw him win every fight, every fight. And it stuck to me and it hit me in my core. I was like, that should have been me. That should have been me. So when he ended up winning, he won uh, uh, the national title. He ended up getting a jacket, the gloves, a trophy. And I was there with my coach and I told him, hey, next year we're coming back and we're going to win this whole thing. I promise you. And by the glory of God and his help and obviously my hard work, we ended up coming back the, next, the following year and we ended up winning the tournament. We won every fight. We, we stayed there. I stayed focused on what I was supposed to do. I didn't go out with the kids. I didn't go eating pizza or anything like that. I fought. I fought. I won and worked out at night and then got up again to weigh in and mm-hmm. ended up fighting. So it was a, it was a mental challenge as well. After being a national champion, they selected us as a team, the guys who won to go represent the U S in Ireland. So my mm-hmm. first international trip as a young boy, a kid from, from the neighborhood of a humble park, I ended up going to Ireland. I never thought in a million years that I would visit Ireland.
0: That's as amazing. A young
1: kid, you know, and yeah. what was the vehicle that got me there was boxing, you know. So I ended up loving it. I, I had a great time in Ireland. I won one fight, um, lost the second one. But that's where my my dream to become an Olympian began.
0: That's awesome. And so did you feel like you you weren't able to enjoy your teen years because you were so focused, obviously, on boxing and, you know, and wanting to win and just hopefully, you know, make this dream come true? And then how did this affect your senior year in school?
1: Looking back, I wouldn't have been able to accomplish the things I've had had I done what normal kids do. Right. You understand? So for me... I was okay with it. I'm. I'm. For me now, I'm okay with giving giving that up. In life, I, I feel that there has to be some sacrifices. There has to be some um, dedication. There has to be uh, uh, determination to get what you want in life.
0: That's right. So for me,
1: so for me, it, it wasn't a big deal because I still feel that I had a great childhood.
0: I know you had said that that you were having a hard time in your senior year and that you got kicked out of school. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so getting ready to graduate and uh, I only needed two and a half credits to graduate, but I, I'm not gonna lie. I was thinking like, man, maybe boxing is not gonna work out because I had just fought some fights and we ended up losing. I also had to lose a lot of weight for a certain fight that. Uh, was going to put me in, in the number one, number two spots for the for the nation. And mm-hmm. I, I messed that up too. And that year I just did not do anything for school. I just did not go to school. Did I hang out with some of the friends? Yes. Yes, I did. I cut school to go to like these little parties and stuff like that. And I got kicked out of school like eight times. I had Ms. Leviquez, I still remember her. She was uh, my English teacher. I would come back like a week after they suspended me. I'd be like, "Hey, you know, Ms. Levikis, I want to come back to school." And she's like, "Okay, I'm gonna sign you in." And, but then I would end up messing up again and not going to class, and then I would get kicked out. So then, finally, like around May, um, Ms. Levikis is like, "You know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sign you in because it's the end of the year. I think you need to reflect and find out what it is you want to do, David." So I said, don't worry about it. I will. So the funny thing is that my dad <laughs> around, I, I kid you not, man, it was like maybe like four days after I got suspended. He's like, hey, don't you graduate this year? And I was like, oh, um, yeah, I'm supposed to. But this happened. I got kicked out of school. I'm not going to be able to go back until next year.
0: Right.
1: So my dad goes, OK, that's not a problem. He's like, but. Um, During this time that you're going to be off, you're not going to be sitting at home doing nothing. He goes, what you're going to do is you're going to get yourself a job. You know, and out of that job, you're going to pay me weekly my rent. I'm like, but you pay rent every month. He's like, yeah, but you only have two months. Mm -hmm. You got to feel what it's like to pay rent, to pay bills. So you can understand what life is about. It's not just about you a once a month responsibility. it's an everyday it's an everyday thing. I'm like, yeah, you know what I, I'll get you your rent and I started getting a little bit confrontational with my dad, which mm-hmm. I hardly ever did. so then my brother stepped in, <laughs> he's like, "Hey, I got a job for you, <laughs> And I just looked at him, and I was like, Who's talking to you? you know, <laughs> and he's like, Hey, Margarito's looking for for drivers for his moving company, and I was like, Oh my God. I was like, you know what? Okay, let me, let me go see what he what he's offering. So, I got a job as a as a mover, but I, since I had my license, I got it as a driver. So I was driving the trucks. So two other drivers that were immigrants and didn't have papers, so they would pay them per trip fifty dollars. During the weekends, these guys were asked for money. You know, to be like, hey David, let's go on on three jobs today. I'm like, three jobs? It's a Saturday, man. And uh, he's like, no, come on. We got to work. I'm like, man, I just want to do one and that's it because I want to go to a party. He's like, come on, David, man. You guys with papers, you guys can rest. But us guys that don't have papers, we can't. There's no rest for us because we need to make money every day. Wow. Yeah. and, And I would go with them on the three because these guys really were hard workers, man. It was tough. And that's where I found out that um, manual labor was not my forte. Right. It, my hats off to those guys because those movers, they, they do work very hard for what they get paid and then the tips and stuff. So,
0: so it sounds like you learned some... Really great life lessons, which is what good parents want to do, right? They want to teach us the value of hard work, the value of money, and hopefully change our perspective about the things that we want to do in the future. And clearly that that definitely worked for you. So I know that you had said to me that you did graduate from Shures, mm-hmm. thankfully. And so let's kind of fast forward and let's talk a little bit about your career and kind of leading you up to the 1996 Olympics and how mm-hmm. that impacted your family.
1: It was a beautiful thing. The last tournament that I was able to qualify through was the Golden Gloves. So I ended up winning the Chicago Golden Gloves. I ended up uh, going through the nationals again and going to the Olympic trials and becoming an Olympian. So the Olympics for me is the second most important day of my life Mm -hmm. to being part of that. The first is obviously my three boys being born. They share that equally because it's a a joy that you feel blessed. Coming in a close third is me marrying my wife, but the Olympics being part of that was an amazing thing. I had a great time leading up to the Olympics. Right. You would always think about being in a different country. Ninety two Olympics had just passed and it was Barcelona. So that, so the guys went to Spain to go fight over there. So that was my thing. I was like, oh man, I'm going to go to somewhere beautiful. France or something, you know, Russia. But we ended up having the Olympics in, in Atlanta, <laughs> which, is, which is a nine-hour drive. Right. At the time, I was like, it's nothing special. I, I could go to Atlanta any day of the week and just see it. But that's a young guy speaking, being greedy all for himself. Right. It, it wasn't until uh, later on in life, things happened that I realized, had the Olympics been somewhere else, My parents wouldn't have been able to go because at that time, my parents were still illegal. So my dad took the drive down with my brothers, a couple of friends, my coach. They got to see me fight. And I also had a brother, our second oldest, and he was uh, the example in the family. Like This is what you got to strive to be, who went to school, studied, became a teacher, he did everything the right way, and he struggled through it, but he did it the right way, and, and he got to where he got because of his hard work. So that was my big brother who I was always proud of. He was in, in the Olympic Village with myself and my father and, and my brothers and sisters and friends, and we were walking through the Olympic Training Center, and um, he came from behind, and he gave me a big hug, and he's like, thank you, thank you so much. And I'm like, for what? And he's like, I always wanted to come to the Olympics. I always wanted to. That was a dream of mine. He goes, but never in a million years did I would ever think that I would see a family member participate in the Olympics I was attending. And at that moment, you know, a 19-year-old kid, 20-year-old kid, I brushed them off. Like, get off of me, man. I, I got to fight in two days. And you're moving. Me up. I'm like, get off of me. So I brushed him off and I told him, oh, I'm fighting, bro. You can't be talking to me like that. And we ended up losing him a year and a half later. He died of AIDS. But he was a, a great person. A great, great person. Loved my parents, loved us. A great
0: man. That's awesome. I'm so glad that even though you lost your brother to AIDS, that he was able to experience such an amazing time, you know, such as the Olympics. I mean, not too many people get to experience that, but clearly he left an imprint on you and has left a legacy, not only in you, but in your family. And that's so, so important. And I love that. And so I know that you had said that there was a time when you kind of had thought that you didn't want to box anymore and you met a girl and you later married her, which is your wife, Tani, today. And there was something that was telling her in her heart, that you still weren't done, that you still wanted to continue boxing. Tell us about that.
1: After the Olympics, yeah, I, I didn't win a medal, so I figured I wasn't gonna uh, get the calls from promoters. So I was just wondering what was gonna happen. Fast forward, uh, a couple of years later that me, my me, Tanya, uh, we uh, we ended up getting married during that time and difficult, you know, however it was. We went through it. We fought through it. We stuck it out. She, she's she been a, the number one in my in my comeback for a career fighting. fighting. You know, I'm, I'm always going to say that my dad has always been in my corner, which he has. He's been there since the beginning. But like I said before, you always have, have people that come into your life to better you, to make mm-hmm. you better. And I honestly feel that she, if it wasn't for her... Coming into my life, I wouldn't be where I am at today because she she helped me understand and see the things that I was doing wrong and what I could do right and the, what I should do right. And she brought me back into church. And oh man, she she did everything. Then there was this one time that uh, boxing started going good for me again. We started getting fights, and we got the call that I was going to be fighting for the interim title. And it was a very huge uh, deal for, for all of us. And we took the fight and we started working out. We worked out hard. The fight came and um, we were actually losing that that fight. We were really losing that fight um, going into the ninth round. Uh, very calmly, my manager, which is Jim Strickland, one of the best men in the business and the cup man, he recently just passed, but He's been a a mentor and a great friend to me since we met. And um, he tried to rev me up and saying, come on, David, you're down. We're down on points. The only way we could win this fight is a a knockout. Not angry in a way, you know, not angry at all, just more of a calm voice. And then my other coach, Mike Garcia, was like, no, David, we need a knockdown now. By the grace of God, I say again, we went out there and threw the right punch, threw a nice uppercut, and we knocked the guy out, and we ended up winning the interim title and became, became champion.
0: That's awesome. And so before we get into a couple of the other questions that I really want to ask, and I know people want to hear as far as, you know, what, what kind of pushed you through uh, all of this adversity, tell us uh, a little bit about the Pacquiao fight and kind of, you know, what that experience was for you.
1: The Pacquiao fight was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Even though I was a champion, he was a superstar in in the making. Mm -hmm. He had just beaten Marco Antonio Barrera. Uh, Eric Morales beat him once, and then uh, Pacquiao beat him. Then he fought Barrera, and he beat Barrera. And then he had two fights with um, Juan Manuel Marquez. So he was the guy to be the guy to fight. And for me, it was like... How can a guy that weighs less than me is going to come up and beat me? Right. That was my mentality, you know, because he was coming up from on the 130 pounders. I fought plenty of fast guys before. There's, This is not going to be an issue. I'm going to beat him. And that's my mentality. And for everybody that goes through life, we all have a fight. We all fight something, some way or another. And that that was myself. I I knew I could beat him. I, I felt that I could beat him. and. We worked our butts off for this fight because of the opportunity and the money that it could bring later on. And after this fight, so we worked our tails off. We we worked out real hard. And when we got to that fight, I mean, yes, it was everything what a big mega fight is supposed to be. I was starstruck by everything. Like, okay, I made I made the big show. I made the big uh, night under the lights. beautiful, but. We got a job to do. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We got a job to do. And I went in there, I'm not going to lie, Madeline, I went in there with the confidence in the world, like, I got him. I'm going to beat him. He's not that big. I'm going to take him. I felt that I had him in my eyes and that when we went face-to-face that I was going to beat him. But boy, oh, boy, did that change after the third and fourth round. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, this guy is super fast. So fast. So fast. I during the second or third round, one of my coaches is like, hey, David, are the punches hurting you? And I was like, no, no, man. I was like, they're not. I was like, um, they don't hurt, to be honest with you. He goes, I'm like, but they are fast. There's so many punches coming. I don't know which one's which. So that's, that was my thing. And uh, we went nine rounds with him. He ended up knocking me out in the ninth round. And that was my championship run. Like everybody tells me, well, David, you didn't lose to anybody. I mean, you just did, you, you did not lose to a nobody. You lost to one of the greatest fighters in the world, and you went nine hundred hard rounds with him. You should be proud of that. But again, I say, I feel that we should never be content with our defeats. That's right. Me. Should we learn from them? Yes, we should learn from them, but never content with our defeats
0: you know that's a that's just a life lesson yes you know? it's yes. Just a life lesson for anybody whether it's boxing or whether it's anything in life you know we just have to continue to fight and i think the reason you feel that way is because you are determined you know you work hard you sacrificed everything And of course, at the end of the day, you want to win, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's not just because you want to win and you want a title; it's more so a fight that you have inside that you say, "Hey, I've been training, I've been preparing, and I want victory for myself." That's a powerful work ethic that you have. And so, was it difficult when you made that final decision to leave boxing?
1: To be honest with you, no. You ready? Yeah, I was ready. I was ready to go. I had always said, and I always told my family, um, if you guys ever see me stuttering or not not being right up in the head, you know, because of boxing, it's okay for you to tell me, David, it's time to, to let it go. I always had that in the back of my head. I don't want to be an embarrassment to my kids when my kids are growing up, because most, most fighters end up a little bit on the bad side, you know, mm-hmm. they stir their speech, they they don't know what day it is. They they start talking about other things in, in the past. I never wanted to be that for my kids because I wanted them to feel prideful of, of having a father that went to the Olympics and was a world champion.
0: Yeah, that that's important because you need to invest in the things that you're passionate about and you have to reevaluate the things that you're doing at every level in life. And so what was your motivation to just push through all of this adversity, David?
1: Just family, family, my, the love for my family, love for my wife, my father, and my kids, for them to be proud of me, proud of what he does for his family. That's what drives me to do what I do for
0: them. I know they're very proud of you. And looking back, is there anything that you would have done differently on this journey?
1: Not really. I mean, in accomplishments, I'm okay in that department um, of everything that I did through boxing. Would I do boxing all over again? Of course. I loved it. It was a, it was a beautiful sport to me. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy in the way it turned out. I'm not shameful of nothing that has happened in my life that has led me to where I am at today. Or regretful. I'm sorry, regretful. I, I feel that we did we did good. We did good and we're doing good and we're gonna continue to do good with God's blessing and move forward.
0: I love it. That's awesome. And lastly, you know, what advice could you share with someone that has either in a similar situation and whether they're, you know, trying to go for that dream of any type of a sport or, or being a professional boxer, baseball player, whatever that is, or someone that just has a dream that maybe is an immigrant fighting just like you and your family did to reach that American dream? You know, what would you say to somebody right now that's that's fighting for their dream and what they want to do?
1: Continue to fight. Don't give up the good fight. There's always fighting everybody, but that, that when you fight for the good fight, for the good things, good things will happen to you. Stay committed and stay faithful to your sport. If it is a sport that you're doing, feed it, nurture it, love it, enjoy it. And the same thing goes to an education because there are kids out there that, that are very smart that sometimes struggle to find their way because they're so smart. I've seen it. They're so smart that they they try to fit in with people that they shouldn't. Don't do it. Continue on your path because later on down the line, you're going to see and look back and be like, man, I went through all of that and, and I still came out on top.
0: That's right. You
1: know, you got to continue to keep on fighting and, and staying true to what you want to be. Um, There's going to be some sacrifices here and there. We all go through it. You got to sacrifice a little bit, get back more.
0: I love that. That's awesome. And so I wanted people to be able to connect with you, whether it's maybe wanting advice or encouragement because they know you, they know your story and they just want to be encouraged and inspired by you. Let people know how to connect with you on social media, you know, maybe with your main event, real estate business, which I know is doing really wonderful for you and your wife and how you guys are helping people right now.
1: So, yeah, you could connect with me through uh, Facebook. It's just David Diaz, a real estate agent. Through Twitter, I do daviddiazboxing.com. Instagram, again, is David Diaz. Our office is at um, 5128 West Irving Park Road. It's called Main Event Real Estate Group. We're we're doing awesome. We help out a lot of people. If anybody is looking for any help or just to talk about anything, um, more than a phone call away or a connection through Facebook.
0: Well, David, I want to thank you for being on the Courageous Podcast today. It's been amazing just hearing your story and uh, listening to all the challenges that you face, but how you fought through to be where you are today. And I know that God was with you every step of the way, encouraging you and blessing you. I pray blessings for you and your family, that you and Tanya and the boys will continue to just flourish and grow and enjoy life. After everything that you've been through, you have truly been a great example, not only to others, but to those three young boys that you're raising right now. Thank you. Thank you for being on.
1: Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure and an
0: honor. Hey, Courageous Community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a Courageous Story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at CourageousPodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous.